Should we do another cold open? <laughs> what? Should we do a cold open? Isn't all of our opens cold? No. Oh, well, <laughs> cold probably because they're not funny. <laughs> what do you, What do you mean by that, girl? How do you How do you love comedy so much? You don't know what a cold open is. It's like like we're just gonna say something stupid and maybe it gets edited out or maybe it gets edited, but it's like before the actual episode starts. It's like I don't know. Okay. All right. All right. All okay. Right. So let's let's. Let's practice. Okay. Um, so you found out something pretty shocking about your ex today, didn't you? <laughs> You're right. We'll save it for a we'll save it for a different show. Because <laughs> I wanna cut I wanna this whole chapter, you're going to be like, oh, did your ex do something like this? You're going to like try to get me to say it out. And then I'll like, oh, oh my God. Oh, oh. please. It's just going to be like five listeners. I, I'm not that worried, but uh, let's go. <laughs> I know. I know. But you know what? I would love to quit this nine to five life. So we got to make this work. <laughs> we do. Austin. We do. Uh, I was telling a friend about this and they're like, oh, if I knew there were people who were like reading um, like books that they had to read in high school, I would much rather listen to this version than whatever the other like Scholastics version. And I was Chapter just like, oh, one. we should we should advertise the minors is what you're saying. <laughs> I think that I might don't know be the illegal. idea of advertising to minors. <laughs> er, you lost me a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I think it's illegal <laughs> in some parts. Yeah, I don't unless, know. <laughs> you know. Unless you're like you own Meta or Twitter, but uh... <laughs> oh, 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 boom, Wilson. <laughs> Welcome back to Rebar Harids. It's me and Jessica Lockhart this season. We're reading The Great Gatsby, and we're on chapter four of nine. So we're almost halfway done. It's only taken us four months to get here. Uh <laughs> <laughs> so yes, joining me is the voluptuous, the hilarious, chow-owning, <laughs> blonde bombshell, recently-ish single. Uh, it says she's going to be single for a year. We'll see how that works out. Jess Lockhart, how's it going? Jesus Christ, Matt. Just like so much. Yeah, I'm doing great. <laughs> Listen, if people, when people take the time to do shows with me, I got to give them good intros. It's just, it's just fair. It's the only fair thing to do. All right. Well, previously, uh, Jess, do you recall what happened on chapter three or do you want me to give you a recap? <laughs> they met Gatsby, right? Yeah. So there was a party that at Gatsby's. It was out of control. And Nick uh, went over to Jordan Baker, who's the golfer, and he's like, I don't like her, but, like, I guess she do. And then they were, like, trying to find Gatsby, and Gatsby's there. And, uh, yeah, that's really it. He mean, I mean, it was a really I, – I preferred the Chapter 2 over Chapter 3, personally. Like <laughs> chapter 3 could have been summarized in, like, a page. I went to Gatsby's party. It took until 2 a.m. to meet him. Didn't realize it was him. We talked. He invited me on an airplane. And I hate this golf lady. She sucks. The end, right? They I did mean, not like any of the women in that chapter. And the women wanted to party the longer. So. Yeah. What a reverse experience. I actually, I liked that. But uh, on <laughs> we go to chapter four. Woo. On Sunday morning, while church bells ring in the villages along the shore, the world. Yeah, we're not used to that. The world and its mistress returned to Gatsby's house and twinkled hilariously on his lawn. He's a bootlegger, said one of the young ladies, moving somewhere between his cocktails and his flowers. One time he killed a man who found out that he was a nephew to von Hindenburg and second cousin to the devil. Bridge me a rose, honey, and pour me a last drop into that, that there crystal glass. 
Once I wrote down on the empty space of a timetable the names of those who came to Gatsby's house that summer. It's an old timetable now, disintegrating at its folds and headed. This schedule is in effect July 5th, 1922. Who is he? Brett Kavanaugh holding onto the old calendar? (laughs) Maybe not the most timely joke. I bet like a lot of people are like, I don't get that joke, which. Oh, no, I got it. (laughs) Just just Well, you didn't laugh. You didn't laugh. I I was just so shocked to laugh. Like, just shocked. (laughs) Oh, that's you make me feel like I'm like a like a shocking person. And like, I don't think I am, but I appreciate that you do that for me. Don't give me a look. <laughs> I was telling I was telling some friends. I was telling like, oh, I'm doing I'm doing this with Jess. And I said, Jess brings out the best in me. You really do. I mean, every and I have a few friends that say that. And I'm like, I think you guys are just like, hey, at least I'm not her. <laughs> <laughs> I think that goes through everyone's mind. They're like, hey, <laughs> Ooh, I feel so good about myself because I see train wrecks. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you're not. Um, I think we both are, to be fair. All right. Anyway, so he's he's looking at the, the, the stupid fucking calendar. Okay. And I can still read the gray names, and they will give you a better impression than my generalities of those who as- as- accepted Gatsby's hospitality and paid him the subtle tribute of knowing nothing whatever about him. From East Egg, then, came the Chester Beckers and the Leeches and a man named Bunsen, who I knew at Yale, and Dr. Webster Civet, who was drowned last summer up in Maine. Oh. And the Hornbeams and the Willie Volatares and a whole clan <laughs> named Black Buck, who always gathered in a corner and flipped up their noses like goats or whoever came near. And the Ismays and the Ch- Christies, or rather Hubert R. Bark and Mr. Christie's wife, the and Edgar Beaver, whose hair, they say, turned cotton white one winter afternoon for no good reason at all. Clarence N. Dave was from West for Clarence N. Dive was from East Egg, as I remember. He came only once in white knickerbottoms and had a fight with a bum named Eddie in the garden. From further <laughs> out on the How many guests does Gatsby how, have? How do you have a fight with a bum in the garden? Like I feel like there's so many for that bum to go all the way from wherever bums come from to a garden is like you well, let him be let him uh, live in the garden. <laughs> well, and especially, I mean, you live in New York, Jess. Your garden is your trash cans. So, I mean, it's not that good of a garden. There's there's not really, like, the gardens are, I'm pretty sure, public property. So, (laughs) (laughs) But here's what's crazy. All these guests, Gatsby went through more guests at his house in the summer than I go through in, like, 10 years. All these people, it's, like, insane. I can't even. Uh, From further out on the island came the Cheetles and the ORP Schreiters and the Stonewall Jackson Abrams of Georgia and the Fishguards and the Ripley Snells. Snell was there three days before he went to the penitentiary, so drink out on a gamble, gravel drive that Miss Ulysses' sweat automobile ran right over his right hand. The Dancies came too. Oh my God, I feel like I'm reading Genesis. What what is this? The Dancies came too. And S.B. Whitebait, who was well over 60, and Maurice A. Flink, and the Hammerheads, and Beluga, the to- that Beluga, the tobacco importer, and Beluga's girls. Oh, I've been described as a Beluga before. From West Egg came the Poles and the Mulderies, and Cecil Roebuck and Cecil Schoen, and Golick, the state senator, and Newton Orchid, who controlled films par excellence and Eckhouse. And Clyde Cohen and Don S. Schwartz, the son, and Arthur McCarthy, all connected with the movies in one way or another. And the Catlips and the Bembergers and G. Earl Muldoon, brother to that Muldoon who afterwards strangled his wife. DeFonto, the promoter, came there. And Ed Legros, ooh, excuse me, Ed Legros, 
Sorry, my, my body Perfect. is so bored. It just was like, Perfect. let's make this funny. Uh, Ed Legros and James B. Rotgut Ferret and the Dijongs and Ernest Lilly, they came to gamble. And when Ferret wandered in the garden, it meant he was cleaned out. An associated traction would have to fluctuate profitability the next day. A man named Clip Springer was there so often and so long that he had become known as the Border. I doubt if he had any other home. Of theatrical people, oh my God, this list. Of theatrical people, there was Gus Ways and Horace O'Donovan and Lester Meyer and George Duckweed and Francis Bull, also from New York, were the crumbs. He he had more people there in his summer than I've ever had as a friend. Like, <laughs> I feel like you're reading the like an old copy of the White Pages. <laughs> And I just don't understand what's the point of like going into so much detail of all these guest names. Are they going to become at least C characters? Mm. Then I don't need to know their names. <laughs> well, another thing too that's kind of weird. How do you have all these people all good friendships? Like, are they just coming over and you're like, yes, I'm I'm Gatsby, I'm rich. Yes, I'm your friend and I'm rich. Like, this is just it's. I think just to be seen. It's not mm-hmm. to like no anything for to maybe be seen and then also find out like how they are able to have mistresses that their wives don't find out about. <laughs> Probably. Oh, for sure. Uh, where, where were we? Um, also from New Yorkers, the Chromes, the Baxons, and the De- Denikers, and Russell Betty, and the Corrigans, and the Kellers, and the Dewards, and the Scullies, and S.W. Belcher, and the Smirkies, and the Young Quins, divorced now. Oh, scandal. And Henry L. Pimento, who killed himself by jumping in front of a subway train in Times Square. Ooh. Benny McClant. Wait, what'd you say? <laughs> Lucky guy. <laughs> <laughs> Benny McClanahan arrived always with four girls. They were never quite the same ones in a physical person, but they were so identical with one another that it was inevitably seemed like they had been there before. I've forgotten their names, uh, Jacqueline, I think, or else Consuela or Gloria or Judy or June. And their last names were either the melodious names of flowers and months or the sterner ones of great American capitalists whose cousins if pressed, they would confess themselves to be. In addition to all these, I can remember that Faustina O'Brien came there at least once, and the Bedeker girls, and young Brewer, who had his nose shot off in the war, and Mr. Albrexer and Mrs. Hag, his fiance. Mrs. Hag, his fiance? Oh, God, get rid of that name. Thank God she's marrying that, that, that name away. Gosh, that is a hard name. It is. I mean, imagine growing up. I mean, you went to public schools, right? Imagine someone having that last name in public school. Or just school. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I especially if you look like a hag extra. <laughs> yeah. Or a fat hag. Oh god. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And Artita Fitzpeters and Mr. P. Jewett and one head of the American Legion and Miss Claude Hip with a man reputed to be her chauffeur and a prince of something whom we call Duke and whose name, if I ever knew it, I have forgotten. All these people came to Gatsby's house in the summer. That shouldn't be in this book. Why was that in the book? You could have just been like hundreds of people came to Gatsby's house, right? I don't know. Yeah. I think it's just something for English teachers to be like, oh, you don't remember the fourth person on the list? F. Which one of these? Which one of these did not go to Gatsby's house that summer? <laughs> exactly. You're just like, I don't. You're like, I just want to go home. <laughs> like, kill me, please. F. Scott Fitzgerald wrote that and was like, mm, premier Americano writing right there. At nine o'clock, one morning late in July, Gatsby's gorgeous car. Why is his car gorgeous? Like everything that Gatsby does, Gatsby could take a big old shit and he'd be like, it's gorgeous. Like it's really annoying. Theme on it. Oh, I could. It's it was radiating throughout the entire (laughs) mansion. (laughs) 
Uh, Gatsby's gorgeous car lurched up the rocky drive to my door, gave out a burst of a melody from its three-noted horn. It was the first time he had called on me, though I had gone to two of his parties, mounted in his hydroplane, and at his urgent invitation made frequent use of his beach. Good morning, old sport. You're having lunch with me today, and I thought we'd ride up together. Ooh. Is it a lunch with benefits? <laughs> I it's those. Like, it has to be. Also, I think you might have cut out a little. Oh. But... Okay. Well, I blame your internet, not mine. Uh, he, <laughs> he was balancing himself on the dashboard of his car with that resourcefulness of movement that is so peculiar, pe- peculiarly American that comes, I suppose, with the absence of lifting work or rigid setting in youth and even more with the formless grace of our nervous, sporadic games. This quality was continually breaking through his punctu- punk- punctuous manner in the shape of restlessness. He was never quite still. There was always a tapping foot somewhere or the impatient opening and closing of a hand. Oh, undiagnosed ADHD, maybe? Hmm. Are they still talking about Gatsby? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So much freaking detail. Okay. How does he know? Oh. Keep yeah. going. This is a romance novel. I'm telling you. He, <laughs> saw, he saw me looking with admiration at his car. It's pretty. Isn't it an old sport? He jumped off to get me a better view. You ever seen it before? I'd seen it. Everybody had seen it. It was a rich cream color, bright with nickel, swollen here and there in its monstrous length, with triumphant hat boxes and supper boxes and toolboxes, cherished with a labyrinth of windshields that mirrored a dozen suns, setting down between many layers of glass in a sort of green leather conservatory we started to town. I had talked with Gatsby perhaps half a dozen times in the past month and found, to my disappointment, that he had little to say. So, oh, oh so now... You won't talk to me about anything. You never tell me what you're up to. Boop, boop, boop. Okay, so it's, the honeymoon honeymoon phase is like over. A conversation with you because I'm at like a whole level. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I missed half of that. What? Because I think you're in that. <laughs> it's yours. I just get um. No, I like. When you hit to like a certain status or wealth, I'm sure it's hard to have conversations with people at maybe other levels because you were worried about other things than somebody else would be. Mm, yes, yes. I, I mean, I'm quite lucky to not worry about rich people things like caviar, or private planes, you know. It's... Yeah. Could you imagine if um, like your Southwest private plane version just like <laughs> wasn't fine anymore? <laughs> this podcast is not sponsored by. Southwest Airlines. Oh, my God. So my first impression that he was a person of some undefined consequence had gradually faded, and he became simply the proprietor of an elaborate roadhouse next door. And then came that disconcerting ride. We hadn't reached West Egg Village before Gatsby began leaving his eloquent sentences unfinished and slapping himself indecisively on the knee of his caramel-colored suit. Look here, old sport. He broke out surprisingly. What's your opinion of me, anyhow? A little overwhelmed, I began the generalized evasions which that question deserves. Well, I'm going to tell you something about my life, he interrupted. I don't want you to get a wrong idea of me from all those stories you hear. So he was aware of the bizarre accusations that flavored conversation in his halls. I'll tell you the truth, God's truth. His right hand suddenly ordered divine reputation to stand by. I am the son of some wealthy people in the Middle West, all dead now. I was brought up in America, but educated Oxford because all my ancestors had been educated there for many years. It's a family tradition. He looked at me sideways, and I knew why Jordan Baker had believed he was lying. He hurried the phrase educated at Oxford 
or swallowed it or choked on it as though it had bothered him before. And with this doubt, his whole statement fell to pieces. And I wondered if there wasn't something a little sinister about him after all. What part of the Middle West? I inquired casually. San Francisco. That is not Middle West. That is West, sir. Yeah, what did they think was after San Francisco? <laughs> What's west of San Francisco? The ocean? Do you yeah. come, are you are you the little and mermaid? That, what what that, <laughs> next? So Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> uh so he said San Francisco. I see. My family all died and I came to a good deal of money. His voice was solemn, as if the memory of that sudden extinction of a clan still haunted him. For a moment, I suspected that he was pulling my leg. I wished he was. But no, I didn't say that. <laughs> but a glance at him convinced me otherwise. <laughs> After that, I lived like a young Raja. Raja? What is Raja? Let's do a little on the fly. Raja. Character. Oh, a Hindu prince or ruler of India. Hmm. Okay. Like a king. So after that, I lived like a young king in all the capitals of Europe, Paris, Venice, Rome, collecting jewelry, chiefly rubies, hunting big game, painting a little, things for myself only, and trying to forget something very sad that happened to me long ago. With an effort, I managed to restrain my incredulous laughter. The very phrases were so worn threadbare that they evoked no image except that of a turbaned character leaking sawdust at every pore as he pursued a tiger through the Bois de Bourgeon. Bois de Bourgeon? Okay, let's Google that too. Is it a bathroom or like a locker room? I'm thinking that's the name of like a forest or something. Well, sure. Oh, yeah. It's a large public park in Paris. Gotcha. Uh, okay. Of course it is. And we just look like uncultured swines. Oh, so I'm supposed to know every fucking French park? I, we are. We are. As Americans, we're supposed to know everything. <laughs> oh, it's Le Terrebisu Park in Paris. Yeah. Okay. Please. Ask a Paris person to name one of our national parks. They probably could, to well, be I mean, honest. It's like the Grand Canyon. Okay, I'll give them that. Or like, I don't know, Yellowstone. Was that There's... one of them? Yeah. Shenandoah. Oh, Shenandoah. Yeah. Oh, look at you pulling out Shenandoah. Oh, fancy. You're you're so smart. Ah, fancy. It's, it's in Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> Then came the war, old sport. It was a great relief, and I tried very hard to die, but I seemed to bear an enchanted life. I accepted a commission as a first lieutenant when it began. Wait, what was that? That'd be me in war. They'd be like, oh, she was so brave. She used her body as a human shield. And I was just like, it's because I was ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> no, for me, it'd be like, no, no, I I didn't try and be a shield. I'm just so fat that, like, the bullets hit me in the crossfire. Like, it's not, like. I was tired of. Of getting yelled at before 8 a.m. to like get dressed and make my bed. I was like, I can't do this again. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the Argonne Forest, I took two machine gun detachments so far forward that there was a half mile gap on either side of us where the infantry couldn't advance. We'd stay there two days and two nights, 130 men with 16 Lewis guns. And when the infantry came up at last, they found the insignia of three German divisions among the piles of dead. I was promoted to a major, and even Allied government gave me a decoration. Even Montenegro, little Montenegro, down on the Adriatic Sea. Little Montenegro. He lifted up the words and nodded at them with a smile. The smile comprehended Montenegro's troubled history and sympathized with the brave struggles of the Montenegrin people. It appreciated fully the chain of national circumstances which had elicited this tribute from Montenegro's warm little heart. My incredulity, my incredulity, my incredulity 
was submerged in fascination now. It was like skimming hastily through a dozen magazines. He reached out into his pocket and picked up a medal, slung on a ribbon, fell into my palm. That one is from Montenegro. To my astonishment, the thing actually had an authentic look. Ordere di Danilo, ran the circular legend. Montenegro, Nicholas Rex. Turn it. Major J. Gatsby, I read, for valor extraordinary. Here's another thing I always carry, a souvenir of Oxford days. I was taken in Trinity Quad. The man on my left is now the Earl of Dorcaster. It was a photograph of half a dozen young men in blazers loafing in an archway, though, which were visible, a host of spirals. There was Gatsby looking a little, not much younger, with a cricket bat in his hand. Then it was all true. I saw the sky. I saw the skins of tigers flaming in the palace on the Grand Canal. I saw him opening a chest of rubies to ease with their crimson-lighted depths the gnawings of a broken heart. I'm going to make a big request of you today, Gatsby said, pocketing his souvenirs with satisfaction. So I thought you ought to know something about me. I didn't want you to think I was just some nobody. You see, I usually find myself among strangers because I drift here and there, trying to forget the sad thing that happened to me. He has to. Thinks he's a nobody if he's throwing all these freaking parties. Well, I think it's he's doing that thing, right? And this is like a little therapy corner, right? When you have all this stuff that happens to you that's bad or whatever, you just party, you do things, you you forget about it. You try and actively not think about it. So you'll do anything, you know? Okay. Right? I don't know. You tell I mean listeners, comment. <laughs> what what did you say? I said listeners, comment below. Oh, <laughs> Do anything when you feel sad. <laughs> I don't know if I would do anything. Mm-hmm. But he hesitated. You'll hear about it this afternoon. At lunch? No, this afternoon. I happen to find out that you're talking you're taking Miss Baker to tea. Do you mean you're in love with Miss Baker? No, old sport, I'm not. Please. <laughs> it doesn't say please, but <laughs> no, I'm not. But Miss Baker has kindly consented to speak to you about this matter. I hadn't the faintest idea what this matter was, but I was more annoyed than interested. I hadn't asked Jordan to tea in order to discuss Mr. J. Gatsby. I was sure the request would be something utterly fantastic, and for a moment I was sorry I'd ever stepped foot upon his overpopulated lawn. He wouldn't say another word. Gatsby's correctness grew on him as we neared the city. We passed Port Roosevelt, where there was a glimpse of the red-belted ocean-going ships, and sped along a cobbled slum lined with dark, undeserted saloons of the faded glit. 1900s. Then the Valley of Ashes opened up on both sides of us, and I had a glimpse of Miss Wilson straining at the garage pump with painting vitality, panting vitality as we went by. With fenders spread like wings, we scattered light through half Astoria, only half, for as we twisted among the pillars of the elevated, I heard the familiar jug-jug spat of a motorcycle, and a frantic policeman rode along besides. All right, old sport, called Gatsby. We slowed down. Taking a white card from his w- wallet, he waved it before the man's eyes. Right you are, agreed the policeman, tipping his cap. Know you next time, Mr. Gatsby, excuse me. What was that? I inquired. The picture of Oxford? I was able to do the commissioner a favor once, and he sends me a Christmas card every year. Over the great bridge, with the sunlight through the girders, making a constant flicker upon the moving cars, with the city rising up across the river in white heaps and sugar lumps, all built with a wish out of non-olfactory money. The city seen from the Queensboro Bridge is always the city seen for the first time in its first wild promise of all the mystery and beauty in the world. Have you seen the city from the Queensboro Bridge? Which one's that? Definitely not. Mm. Definitely not. Queens is above like Manhattan. So oh, well, I, I guess have- next time I visit you, we got to go because apparently we'll go. 
the city scene from that bridge is always the city scene for the first time. So interesting. A dead man passed us in a hearse heaped with blooms, followed by two carriages with drawn blinds and by more cheerful carriages for friends. The friends looked out at us with tragic eyes and short upper lips of Southeastern European. And I was glad that the sight of Gatsby's splendid car was included in their somber (laughs) holiday. What? What'd you say? It's just, no, I was just making fun of whatever the oh. lip comment. <laughs> just say they got some thin ass lips. <laughs> <laughs> Gatsby's like Dave Chappelle. These white people with those lips. <laughs> As we crossed Blackwell's Island, a limousine passed us, driven by a white chauffeur, in which three modish, I'm going to say black people, but like we know how, like 1920s, they, you know, you know. What what does the text say, Matt? Um, Wait, not that one. It's the other oh. one. It's like the like it's like the one that your grandmother might use to be like those blank, but like not. It's also. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying nothing, but anyways, we can skip over it. There's a no. Picture. I'll just edit it. I mean, three black people, two bucks, and a girl. I laughed aloud as the yolks of their eyeballs rolled towards us in haughty rivalry. Anything can happen now that we've slid over this bridge, I thought. Anything at all. What is a buck? What? Like two guys? Two bucks, like two guys? Because like bucks, like male deer? Yeah, I just like can't imagine like describing somebody who's like, he's like a buck. (laughs) They'd be like, (laughs) (laughs) ladies, I met a buck last night. I know. What a time to be alive. (laughs) Like to (laughs) see like the opposite sex and think. Yeah. That's a buck. That's a buck. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead. They're going over a bridge. Yeah. Even Gatsby could happen without any particular wonder. Roaring noon. In a well-fanned 42nd Street cellar, I met Gatsby for lunch. Blinking away the brightness of the street outside, and my eyes picked him out obscure, obs- obscure, obscurely in the after- anteroom, talking to another man. Mr. Carraway, this is my friend, Mr. Wolfsheim. A small, flat-nosed Jew. Oh, God. Raised his large head, and this book is like riddled. And I mean, 1920s, though. I mean, it's this is like, how people talked, yeah, right? It's like, well, this is how people wrote. So go on. <laughs> they talked and they wrote 100%. It's so um, <laughs> Ray, he regarded me with two fine growths of hair, which luxuriated in either nostril. After a moment, I discovered his tiny eyes in the half darkness. So I took one look at him said Mr. Wolfsheim, shaking my head earnestly. And what do you think I did? What? I inquired politely. But evidently he was not addressing me, for he dropped my hand and covered Gatsby's with his expressive nose. I handed the money to Katzpa, and I said, all right, Katzpa, don't pay him a penny till he shuts his mouth. He shut it there and then. Gatsby took an arm of each of us and moved forward into the restaurant, whereupon Mr. Wolfsheim swallowed a new sentence he was starting and lapsed into a somnibatory abstraction. Highballs, asked the head waiter. This is a nice restaurant here, said Mr. Wolfsham, looking at the Presbyterian nymphs on the ceiling. But I like across the street better. Yes, <laughs> high balls, agreed Gatsby. And then to Mr. Wolfsheim, it's too hot over there. Hot and small. Yes, said Mr. Wolfsheim, but full of memories. What place is that? I asked. The old metropole. The old metropole, brooded Mr. Wolfsheim gloomily, filled with faces dead and gone, filled with friends gone now forever. I can't forget so long as I live the night. They shot Rosie Ro- Rosenthal there. There was all six of us at a table, and Rosie had eaten drunk a lot of the evening. 
Well, there's almost morning. The waiter came up to him with a funny look that says, somebody wants to speak to him outside. All right, says Rosie, and begins to get up, and I pulled him down the chair. Let the bastards come in here if they want you, Rosie. But don't you, so help me, move outside of this room. It was four o'clock in the morning then, and as if we had raised the blinds, we'd have seen daylight. Did he go? I asked innocently. Sure he went! Mr. Wolfsheim's nose flashed at me indignantly. He turned around the door and says, don't let that waiter take away my coffee. Then he went on the sidewalk, and they shot him three times in his full belly and drove away. Oh, four of them were electrocuted, I said, remembering. Five with Becca. His nostrils turned to me in an interested way. I understand you're looking for a business congregation. Gong, gong, what? Gongation. I'm still trying to figure out what the heck just happened. Are they saying somebody, there's a disagreement and somebody got shot and, and electrocuted? Yeah, someone got shot. Well, no, the people that shot him got electrocuted. Talk about karma. Ew. <laughs> but um, what were they looking so at? So here's what's funny. <laughs> They're tr it actually means connection, but the idea is that they um it's misspelled because of his like um his little tap. His, well his like his like accent. So I understand that you're looking for a business connection, but it sounds like gagection. <laughs> Gatsby, New Jersey. The juxtaposition of those two remarks were startling. Gatsby answered for me. Oh no, Gatsby exclaimed, This isn't the man. No. Mr. Wolfsheim seemed disappointed. This is just a friend. I thought you, I told you we'd talk about that some other time. I beg your pardon, said Mr. Wolfsheim. I had a wrong man. A succulent hash arrived. Oh. <laughs> Do tell. <laughs> How is the hash plated? <laughs> and Mr. Wolfsheim, forgetting the more sentimental atmosphere of the old metropole, began to eat with ferocious delicacy. His eyes, meanwhile, roved very slowly all around the room. He completed the arc by turning to inspect the people directly behind him. I think that, except for my presence, he would have taken one short glance beneath our own table. Look here, old sport, said Gatsby, leaning toward me. I'm afraid I made you a little angry this morning in the car. There was that smile again. <laughs> but this time I held out against it. I don't like mysteries, I answered. And I don't understand why you won't come out, oh? Frankly, and tell me what you want. Why has it all got to come through Miss Baker? Oh, it's nothing underhand, he assured me. Miss Baker's a great sportswoman, you know, and she'd never do anything that wasn't all right. Suddenly, he looked at his watch, jumped up, and hurried from the room, leaving me with Mr. Wolfsheim at the table. He has a telephone, said Mr. Wolfsheim, following him with his eyes. Fine fellow, isn't he? Handsome to look at and a perfect gentleman. Hmm. I feel like we're at the table. The girl's like, do you like him? Like, he's kind of hot, right? Like, I won't tell him that you're interested. But like, are you interested? Can you imagine us describing somebody as a perfect gentleman? <laughs> no, I can't. Where are they? Where? Where? Yeah. <laughs> Me trying to find yeah. a perfect gentleman. Unable to. Uh <laughs> well, I think you'd have to be one first, right? <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. Roast mode. <sighs> <laughs> You're right. I am an imperfect gentleman for sure. <laughs> I think you'd probably like if somebody pulled out a chair for you, you'd go sit in the other one because you assume they were pulling it out for themselves. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. He's an Oxford man. Oh, he went to Oxford College in England. You know, Oxford College. I've heard of it. It's one of the most famous colleges in the world. Have you known Gatsby for a long time? I inquired. Several years, he answered. <laughs> Several years? What, is he Southern now? He answered in a gratified way. I made the pleasure of his acquaintance just after the war, but I knew I had discovered a man of fine breeding after I talked with him for an hour. I said to myself, there's the kind of man. Yeah, fine breeding. 
There's the kind of man you'd like to take home. Thinking that, you know what? He's fine breeding. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine. I know it's just a little. It's a little too much for me. It's It's a little like oh, and this is another man describing another man, Mm -hmm. right? This is the straight man's equivalent of saying like. Fuck, he'd make hot babies, or you know, like girls say, like he'd make good babies, or whatever. Yeah, or like I want to have their babies. No, like there's literally people who go, "Ooh, our babies would look so good." You know, you've heard yeah, that before. I, but like, I mean, I think it's weird because it's like, why are you sexualizing your hypothetical kids with this man? But you know, to each their own. All right, keep it going. <laughs> there's the kind of man you'd like to take home and introduce to your mother and sister. He paused. I see you're looking at my cuff buttons. I haven't been looking at them, but I did now. They were composed of oddly familiar pieces of ivory. Finest specimen of human molars, he informed me. Well, I inspected them. That's a very interesting idea. Yeah. He flipped his sleeves up under his coat. Yeah, Gatsby's very careful about women. He would never so much as look at a friend's wife. When the subject of this instinctive trust returned to the table and sat down, Mr. Wolfsheim drank his coffee with a jerk and got to his feet. I've enjoyed my lunch. He said, and I'm going to run off from these two young men before I outstay my welcome. Don't hurry, Meyer, said Gatsby without enthusiasm. Mr. Wolfsheim raised his hand in a sort of benediction. You are very polite, but I belong to another generation, he announced solemnly. You sit here and discuss your sports and your young ladies and your... He supplied an imaginary noun with another wave of his hand. As for me, what what is that? Like, CX? Like, I, what is, what's he mouthing to them? Ew. As for me, I am 50 years old, and I won't impose myself on you any longer. Wow, imagine. I'm 50. I can't impose myself on you. Jesus Christ. (laughs) As he shook hands and turned away, his tragic nose was trembling. I wondered if I had said anything to offend him. He becomes very sentimental sometimes, explained Gatsby. This is one of his sentimental days. He's quite a character around New York, a denizen of Broadway. Well, (laughs) what is he? An actor? No. A dentist? (laughs) Meyer Wolfsham? No, he's a gambler. Gatsby hesitated, then added coolly, he's the man who fixed the World Series back in 1919. (laughs) Fixed the World Series, I repeated. This idea staggered me. I remembered, of course, that the World Series had been fixed in 1919, but if I had thought of it all, I would have thought it was a thing that just merely happened, the end of some inevitable chain. never occurred to me that one man could start to play with the faith of 50 million people with the single-mindedness of a burglar blowing a safe. I'm pretty sure... Uh, even like NFL, the um, MLB, I think they can fix games. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, seriously. It's a clause somewhere, like, they technically could, so. <laughs> Wait, I, I just love the idea of, like, underneath there's, like, a clause that's, like, just cause clause. Like, well, at any point, we could go no. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. There's got to be something. They're like, all right, that's enough for you, mm-hmm. Golden or, <laughs> or Yankees or whoever yeah. keeps things. <laughs> How did he happen to do that? I asked after a minute. He just saw the opportunity. Well, why is he in jail? They can't get him, old sport. He's a smart man. I insisted on paying the check. As the waiter brought my change, I caught sight of Tom Buchanan across the crowded room. Oh, not Tom Buchanan. Oof. Come along with me for a minute. I said, I've got to say hello to someone. When he saw us, Tom jumped up and took a half dozen steps in our direction. Where have you been? He demanded eagerly. Daisy's furious because you haven't called up. This is Mr. Gatsby, Mr. Buchanan. They shook hands briefly and a strained, unfamiliar look of embarrassment came over Gatsby's face. How have you been anyhow? Demanded Tom of me. How'd you happen to come up this far to eat? 
I've been having lunch with Mr. Gatsby. I turned towards Mr. Gatsby, but he was no longer there. Oh, drama. One October day in 1917, said Jordan Baker that afternoon, sitting up very straight on a straight chair in the tea garden at the Plaza Hotel. I was walking along from one place to another half on the sidewalks and half in the lawns. I was happy on the lawns because I had on shoes from England with rubber knobs on the soles that bit into the soft ground. I had on a new plaid skirt that also blew a little in the wind, and whenever this happened, the red, white, and blue banners in front of all the houses stretched out stiff and said, tut, 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 in a disapproving way. The largest of these banners and the largest of the lawns belonged to Daisy Fay's house. She was just 18, two years older than me, and by far the most popular of all the young girls in Louisville. She dressed in white and had a little white roadster, and all day long the telephone rang in the house, and excited young officers from Camp Taylor demanded the privilege of monopolizing her that night anyways for an hour. God. <laughs> and when I came, I know, can you imagine having all those people, what are you doing at 9? What are you doing at 10? What are you doing at 11? Like, oh. To be a hot girl in this time period, it must have been fun. <laughs> I think you, couldn't, it, you couldn't vote, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> I just would feel brainwashed because you're supposed to feel honored when you get asked out. And I get asked out and I wouldn't say I feel honored. <laughs> oh, well, you're, you're just so used to getting asked out. I guess it's just, you know, the honor has faded. You're like, yeah, it's just my life. No, it's just like, <laughs> just because you can communicate with me doesn't mean you're <laughs> Whoa! I love that. More dating advice from Jess Lockhart. I love it. <laughs> Are we talking about that X now? Or <laughs> kidding? I'm kidding. When Jordan came opposite her house that morning, her white roadster had been beside the curb, and she was sitting in it with a lieutenant I had never seen before. They were so engrossed in each other that she didn't see me until I was five feet away. Hello, Jordan. She called unexpectedly. Please come here. I was flattered that she wanted to speak to me because of all the older girls I, that I, I admired her the most. She asked me if I was going to the Red Cross and make bandages. I was. Well, then, <laughs> would I tell them that she couldn't come that day? The officer looked at Daisy while she was speaking in a way that every young girl wants to be looked at sometime. And because it seemed romantic to me, I have remembered the incident ever since. His name was Jay Gatsby. And I didn't lay eyes on him again for over four years. Even after I met him on Long Island, I didn't realize he was the same man. This is, oh, by the way, this is Jordan's story. This is like a flashback for Jordan. Oh, okay. Yeah. That. So, I mean, here's the thing. I, I don't want to do her voice because her voice is like this. And I'm not going to read paragraphs in that voice. That's just strenuous on the throat, hunty. So, yeah, ah. like, you know. This was 1917. By the next year, I had a few bow myself. And I began to play in tournaments. So I didn't see Daisy very often. She went with a slightly older crowd when she went with anyone at all. Wild rumors circulated about her, how her mother had found her packing her bag one winter night to go to New York and say goodbye to a soldier who was going overseas. She was effectively prevented, but she wasn't on speaking terms with her family for several weeks. After that, she didn't play around with the soldiers anymore, but only with a few flat-footed, short-sighted young men in town who couldn't get into the army at all. <laughs> but by next autumn, imagine that. I would love to be a flat-footed, short-sighted young man who couldn't get into the army. Oh, no! I can't I, be enlisted. There's now they'd be like, I don't care. It's a body. Get out there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the next autumn, she was gay again, gay as ever. That means happy, Jess. 
She had a debut after the Armatisse, and in February, she was presumably engaged to a man from New Orleans. In June, she married Tom Buchanan of Chicago with more pomp and circumstance than Louisville had ever known before. He came down with 100 people in four private cars and hired a whole floor of the Seabill Hotel. And the day before the wedding, he gave her a string of pearls valued at $350,000. I was a bridesmaid. I came into her room half an hour before the bridal dinner, found her lying on her bed as lovely as the June night in a flowered dress and as drunk as a monkey. She had a bottle of Sauron in one hand and a letter in another. Congratulate me, she muttered. Never had a drink before, but oh, I do enjoy it. What's the matter, Daisy? I was scared. I can tell you, I'd never seen a girl like that before. Here, dearest. Here, dearest. She groped around in a wastebasket that she had on her bed, and she pulled up a string of pearls. Take them downstairs. Give them back to whoever they belong to. Tell them all Daisy's changed her mind. Say, Daisy's <laughs> changed her mind. She began to cry. She cried, and she cried. I rushed out and found her mother's maid, and we locked the door and got her into a cold bath. She wouldn't let go of the leather. Leather. She took into the tub with her and squeezed up into a wet ball and only let me leave it in a soap dish when she saw that it was coming to pieces like snow. But she didn't say another word. We gave. First of all, what a bad friend. If my friend's like, I'd be like, girl, it's okay. We don't, you don't have to get married. Let's go. Let's just get out of here, honey. Like, yeah. She's like, no, we're going to lock you in there. You're getting married. <laughs> we gave her spirits of ammonia and put ice on her forehead and hooked her back into her dress. And half an hour later, when we walked out of the room, the pearls were around her neck and the incident was over. Next day at five o'clock, she married Tom Buchanan without so much as a shiver and started off on a three-month trip to the South Seas. I saw them in Santa Barbara when Wait, they came back. Uh, what? Three-month honeymoon? Oh, well, back then, Jess, travel was so slow. I mean, by the time they got there, I bet it was like they had a month. And they had to leave <laughs> to get back. Dude, he's also rich. He bought her back then $350,000 pearl necklace. That was probably like $7 million pearl necklace back then. It was a lot of money. So this was this Buchanan guy for this girl. He's not a real man. He's fictional. We can't hook you up with him. No, that's not what I'm just trying to follow this plot because there's been so many names. <laughs> uh, but so this is the Buchanan guy. So Daisy to... apparently, right, had a little thing with Jay and then he's in the army. He has to go and she wanted to follow him a little bit. But then the parents were like, no, it's finally she's getting married to Tom, her current husband, who's a piece of crap. And she was like, apparently wanted to change her mind, and then she just didn't, and she went with it. Okay. I saw him in Santa Barbara when they came back from the honeymoon, and I thought I'd never seen a girl so mad about her husband. If he left the room for a minute, she'd look around uneasily and say, where's Tom gone? And wear the most abstracted expression until she saw him coming into the door. She used to sit on the sand with his hair. Oh, my God, I'm burping all over this episode. She used to sit on the sand with his head in her lap by the hour, rubbing her fingers over his eyes and looking at him with unfathomable delight. It was touching to see them then together. It made you laugh in a hushed, fascinated way. And that was in August. A week after I left Santa Barbara, Tom ran into a wheel, ran into a wagon on the Ventura Road one night and ripped a front wheel off his car. The girl who was with him got into the papers, too, because her arm was broken. She was one of the chambermaids in the Santa Barbara Hotel. They're not even married for three months and he's already cheating? Oh, my God. That's wild. Next April, Daisy had her little girl and they went to France for a year. I saw them one spring in Canes and later in Deauville and they came back to Chicago to settle down. Daisy was popular in Chicago, as you know. They moved with a fast crowd, all of them young and rich and wild, but she came out of it with an absolutely perfect reputation. 
perhaps because she didn't drink. It's a great advantage not to drink among hard-drinking people. You can hold your tongue, and moreover, you can time any little irregularity of your own so that everyone else is blind, so they don't see or care. Perhaps Daisy never went in for a more at all, and yet there's something in that voice of hers. Well, about six I weeks could... ago. Wait, what? <laughs> wait, what'd you say? Daisy. <laughs> okay, you have to say one more time because you cut out. I said I could never be Daisy. <laughs> Sober, not talking, not but, sharing secrets. Um... Yeah, definitely not, not. No, You are the quite opposite. Drunk, <laughs> loud, always telling everybody what's going on. There's no secrets. <laughs> Amongst friends, there's no secrets. <laughs> Unless you're not a friend of mine, then. <laughs> well, good things only our friends listen. So let's talk about your ex. Oh my gosh. Well, about six weeks ago, she heard the name Gatsby for the first time in years. It was when I asked you, do you remember if you knew Gatsby and West Egg? And after you'd gone home, she came to my room and woke me up and said, what's Gatsby? And when I described him, I was half asleep. She said in the strangest voice that it must be the man she used to know. It wasn't until then that I connected this Gatsby with the officer in her white car. When Jordan Baker finished telling all this, we had left the plaza for half an hour and were driving in a Victoria through Central Park. The sun had gone down behind the tall apartments of the movie stars in the West 50s, and the clear voices of girls already gathered like crickets in the glass rose to the hot twilight. I'm the Sheik of Arabia, your love belongs to me. At night when you're asleep, into your tent I'll creep. It was a strange coincidence, I said. But it wasn't a coincidence at all. What well, why that? not? Did that? Oh yeah, people were, yeah, people were singing, apparently, or something in the in the park or something. Okay. Yeah, well, you, it's New York, girl. Why are, we, why are we so surprised? People sing. They're rapping. They're doing yeah. stuff all over. Right. They do. It's a city that never sleeps. Oh. Except it totally freaking does. And I, it, <laughs> I'm expecting it to be awake for a little bit longer. So. <laughs> I know you were like, oh, that pizza place closes at 10. I'm like, but the best time to get pizza is after 10. Exactly. Yeah. So much of this food stuff. And they're like, oh, last reservation's 10. I'm like, well, I just woke up uh, like a minute ago. <laughs> like, Sir, what? my fourth meal of the day is at 11. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, okay, because... <laughs> um, what did you say? No, I was just agreeing with you. Oh, okay. It was a strange coincidence, I said, but it wasn't. A, but it wasn't a coincidence at all. Well, why not? Gatsby bought that house so that Daisy would just be across the bay. <gasps> Drama. Ow, ow! Imagine buying a house just to like be like, "What's up?" to the person that you like had a fling with four years ago or whatever. I think this is gonna be the thing for our generation because everyone's getting married too damn young, and that's what's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. They're literally going to be like, oh, that's so crazy that they live in the development now. You're like, didn't you go to school with her? And they'll be like, yeah, I think I did. And you're like, you you bought the house. We know. <laughs> <laughs> or you, well, can't be buying houses. So yeah. <laughs> whatever the equivalent is that. <laughs> then it had not been merely the stars to which he had aspired on that June night. He came alive to me, delivered suddenly from the womb of his purposeless splendor. He wants to know, continued Jordan. If you'll invite Daisy to your house some afternoon and let him come over. Oh. (laughs) Let him come over. The modesty of the demand shook me. 
He had waited five years and bought a mansion where he had dispensed starlight to casual moths so that he could come over some afternoon to a stranger's garden. Did I have to know all this before you could ask such a little thing? He's afraid. He's waited so long. He thought you might be offended. You see, he's a regular tough underneath it all. Something worried me. Well, why didn't he ask you to arrange a meeting? He wants her to see his house, she explained. And your house is right next door. Oh, I think he had expected her to wander to one of his parties some night, went on Jordan. But she never did. Then he began asking. What? She literally doesn't drink. Like, if you would just listen to her interests, maybe she'd wander over. Maybe if you hosted an AA meeting, she would come. <laughs> or, I don't know, a listening maybe, party. Maybe if you hosted a dry wedding, she would come. No one else would, but she would be there. Yeah. Go, Gatsby. Gotta yeah. know your mark. I don't even care if one of us is sober in 10 years. Like, we, neither of us, we, we are not hosting dry weddings. Like, I don't care if I'm not drinking. I am not hosting a dry wedding. I'm not being that person. I'm sorry. I think you'd be like, oh, I don't drink, but I do X, Y, Z. <laughs> like, and stuff. Like, I think that's. I like, don't drink, but I do heroin. <laughs> yeah. You'd be like, a, yeah. like a, uh-huh. on a, diff- a sober journey, as mm-hmm. people call it. They're like, oh, I'm on a sober journey. So that means they're not sober. But Girl, that's because you got a DUI. I mean, that's not <laughs> sober journey. Like, come on. Okay, yeah. where were we? Yeah. Um, then he began asking people casually if they knew her, and I was the first one he found. I was. It was that night he sent me. He. It was at that night he sent me for. He sent for me at his dance, and you should have heard the elaborate way he worked up to it. Of course, I immediately suggested a luncheon in New York, and I thought he'd go mad. I don't want to do anything out of the way, he kept saying. I want to see her right next door. When I said you were a particular friend of Tom's, he started to abandon the whole idea. He doesn't know very much about Tom, though he's read a Chicago paper for years, just on the chance of catching a glimpse of Daisy's name. It was dark now as we dipped under a little bridge, and I put my arm around Jordan's golden shoulder and drew her toward me and asked her to dinner. But suddenly I wasn't thinking of Daisy and Gatsby anymore, but of a clean, hard-limited person who dealt in universal skepticism and who leaned back jauntily just within the circle of my arm. A a phrase began to beat in my ears with a sort of heady excitement. There were only the pursued, the pursuing, the busy, and the tired. And Daisy ought to have something in her life, murmured Jordan next to me. (laughs) That's not enough, Jess. Cheating husband who's rich. No, oh, that's enough. Yeah, I'd well, say that's enough. Yeah. She's busy. I don't know. They, I mean, Jordan makes it sound like Daisy has no, It's the 1920s. There was no TV, no Netflix, no Spotify, no Hulu, no Amazon Prime, no Quibi, uh, no, no HBO, no HBO Max, no Showtime, no stars. I mean, so no, the, it, got it. <laughs> wait, what'd you say? So no TV, we got it. <laughs> oh, and- <laughs> I can't believe I named all those streaming services. I have like one. <laughs> <laughs> um, you got a better family, Matt. That's the only way I'm able to view any of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> kidding. I love and- you. <laughs> and Daisy ought to have something in her life, murmured Jordan to me. Does she want to see Gatsby? She's not to know about it. Gatsby doesn't want her to know. You're just supposed to invite Daisy to tea. We passed a barrier of dark trees in the facade of 59th Street. A block of delicate pale light beamed under the park. 
Unlike Gatsby and Tom Buchanan, I had no girl whose disembodied face floated among the dark cor cornices and blinding signs, and so I drew up the girl beside me, tightening my arms. Her wan, scornful mouth smiled, and so I drew closer again, this time to my face. How do you go from talking about, damn... They they had this like this relationship forever ago and like they're still interested in each other and then ridiculous and that's the end of chapter four. Ooh, at least it got a little bit juicier this time around, a slightly juicier. I mean, it took a long time. Here's what's funny about this story: is like I don't think it holds up in a modern sense, right? Because what what Gatsby would have done in a modern Gatsby, he would have followed her on Instagram and been liking her story and like liking. And then she'd be like, oh, it's Gatsby. And then Gatsby would be like, host some parties. You want to come to my house for a party? Well, I don't drink. Oh, okay. Well, like, you could just, like, I don't know. We can get, like, tea or lunch. Like, that's what would have happened. Th like, this story does not work in a modern Well, way, he could have wrote to her, too. He could have what? He could have wrote to her. Like, because it, it's not like he's sending invitations personally to her. That's what I feel like a lot of guys nowadays too. Like they'll maybe like write a comment or send a like, but that's not talking to me. That's not telling me like mm -hmm. what your thoughts are. Mm -hmm. No, you're right. Oh, well, what do you think is going to happen next? Any ideas? Well, I have a lot of ideas to make this story a little bit more interesting but <laughs> yes it was the 1920s there was no netflix no hulu no hbo no hbo max <laughs> no cell phones my god no record all the if they even had anything to record or capture pictures on it would take like at least three months to see no. the footage <laughs> it's funny because i this is my first time actually reading the book but um i've, I've watched like the movie and i know of the story oh, and someone once described it or, or some somebody was something described it as like they just sit around and just talk. That's all they do. That's <laughs> isn't that what like isn't that what everyone does? Listen, Corporate. people would be people would be so blessed to hear us talk. We're hilarious together. We're hilarious together, apart, alone. That's just we are hilarious. Alone? Are you making fun of me being single? Okay, I see you. No, I, mean, <laughs> no, I meant just like sometimes my best laughs are when I'm by myself. <laughs> Said the crazy person. <laughs> yeah, you better hope that your upstairs, uh, the upstairs neighbor, has good soundproofing because, like, <laughs> like I feel like that's a really loud laugh you have sometimes. My landlord does live above me, and I do often wonder if they can hear me laugh. They probably think I don't even know what they think that sound is. Probably that the dog. <laughs> like, honey, that owl is outside once again. What are we gonna do about that? <laughs> <laughs> Honey, that owl. We need to rescue it. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, hey, we are almost halfway through with Gatsby. It finally is getting to the part of the story that we wanted to know. Gatsby is in love with Daisy, who they used to bang back in 1917. But Daisy had to move on. She was a young woman. Society said to get married. So she married Tom, who cheats on her. He's awful. He's terrible. And now Gatsby wants our narrator, Nick, to host a tea party, and he so happens to come along and get reconnected with Daisy. And that's modern day Snapchat, everyone. Or I mean, post. Oh God, <laughs> I suck. Edit that out. 
And that would be what Snapchat is today. <laughs> I love beautiful words of wisdom from communications major, Jess Lockhart. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Anyway, no, you're. I, I love doing this with you. I'm so glad that we're doing this. And if you haven't, like, subscribe, hit the smash button, whatever you got to do. And uh, we're reading we're reading this whole book all the way through. So even when spoiler alert, someone might be killed. Uh, we are here. We're here for it if it happens. So, all right. Well, hey, have a great rest of your day, Jess. If they want more of you, where can they follow you on Instagram or anything? Oh God, I need to fix my handle so it's uh, noteworthy. But um, I'm sure Matt can link everything. Okay. <laughs> it's like at Jess Lockhart two four underscore. Six five underscore six. Whatever um, Instagram suggested. Mm. So, um, because I don't even like being called Jess, and people were like, "Well, that's what your handle is." I was like, "Oh, is that where people get it from?" I'll answer a lot of things, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I love the idea of like Instagram being like, "Hmm, what's our suggested username? How about Big Titty Blonde?" <laughs> Everything I think of, I it usually get called in HR at work, so I got. Try to think of something. Yeah, I mean, some of your past usernames are so raunchy. If I said them on this podcast, I'd have to label it NC17 as a piece of work. So um, so I think it is Jess underscore Lockhart 22. I'll clean it up. I probably shouldn't <laughs> use my full name. <laughs> yeah, we'll get you. We'll get you a fake name. All right. Well, hey, thanks for listening. And we'll see you for chapter five. Au revoir.